Located in the Black Hills of South Dakota, Mount Rushmore is a monumental sculpture carved into the side of a mountain, depicting four of the most famous and influential presidents in the history of the United States of America. Jeremy. How is that interesting? MC. Did the original RoboCop have a cod piece? Rudy. Your boy was a player. Scroll. This movie is hot shit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the season finale episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast, where pop culture is carved in stone. I am one of your hosts, MC. Um, a little bit bittersweet. This is going to be our final episode of the season. With me, as always, my three intrepid co-hosts. Let's start with Spro. Spro, how are you? I'm good. What's intrepid mean? <laughs> Um, you know, like progressive, brave, um, uncharted oh, then territory. I'm really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm really you know, good then. Okay, it's cool. a it's a compliment. Um, okay, good. Next up, Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you? I'm good. I'm fired up for this episode. I'm very excited about this topic. What makes you fired up about this episode? It's always more fun to make fun of something than it is to laud all of its achievements for me. So once we get into the nuances of the topic, that'll that'll make a little more sense. And last but not least, Rudy. Rudy, how are you? I'm I'm doing fantastic. I'm going to switch it up this episode. I'm going to, because, you know, I've been amped up throughout season one. And so I'm going to try vodka tonight and see if that helps. It's a good question. What, I, myself, I'm drinking, literally bought this from Walmart for $3, a bottle of Oak Leaf Vineyards Merlot, just out of the bottle, no glass. It's not bad. I, I detect a hint of grape. Um <laughs> It's it's not bad at all. Um, Spro, what are you drinking, if anything? Cherry pomegranate flavored water. <laughs> Instead of the water flavored water from last time? Yeah, that was too uh, watery for me, so I figured I'd switch Fair it up. Enough. Jeremy, what about you? It's a very exciting night for me. I'm drinking lime bubbly. Ooh. So. <laughs> lime bubbly. Lime bubbly seltzer. Wow. Lime bubbly. That sounds like a great band name. Maybe, maybe in another <laughs> life. Yes. So let me explain the rules if you happen to be a first-time listener. The way this podcast works is we decide on a topic, which we did at the end of the uh, previous episode. The topic for this episode is the worst remakes slash reboots of movies. And the reason that we call this the Mount Rushmore podcast is because by the end of this discussion, we're going to carve out four of the, in this case, best of the worst remakes slash reboots and emblazon them onto our Mount Rushmore of pop culture. We do this in three rounds. The first round, after we've introduced our picks and after we've had some discussion, the first round, each of us has to cut one from our own list. So we have to essentially make a tough choice and, and send one of our own picks pack. The second round, we have to cut one from someone else's list. So as we're slowly whittling down the nominees, we're trying to see which ones ultimately we want to get on the mountain and play our cards accordingly. For the third round, we each have to nominate someone from someone else's list onto the mountain. Now, the bonus round allows the person with the least points at the beginning of this episode to make one save, swap, or reversal. The point totals, which are accumulated by getting your picks on the mountain, leading up to this season finale, Spro has 16 points, I have 12 points, Jeremy has 
has 12 points and Rudy has 11 points. So Rudy, you're in the debatably enviable or unenviable position of being able to basically overturn the vote at the end of uh, at the end of the episode. And if you feel compelled, make things right in your own vision of Mount Rushmore. How do you feel about that? Well, that's correct. But here's here, listener, if this is your first episode, you're in for a treat. But if you've been with us this entire journey, you you realize that sometimes that that's unenviable because all you have to choose from are a bunch of turds. So I, I still object to the Urkel clause, but that's not that's another episode. Well. Uh, thank you for the segue because the Urkel Clause, which is a offshoot of the bonus round, you cannot pick from your own list to swap. And that goes back a couple episodes to this whole debacle with Steve Urkel and male sitcom stars. We don't need to get into it. It's an open wound and we honestly don't need to you know, keep picking at it and letting it get infected and festering and stuff. But again, the person who is in the bonus position, which is Rudy, can make one swap, save, reversal, whatever you want to call it, on their or someone else's behalf. Or if they believe that we've done a good job carving out the mountain as it stands, they can defer and say, you know what? We nailed it. So the way we do this is through a series of randomizations to reveal our picks. So I'm going to put our names into the random and Jeremy, if you could stop texting in our other groups while you're on the show, that would be great. We'd love your full attention. <laughs> You've got my attention. I can multitask. Okay. So right now we're going to randomize our names and we're going to reveal our picks. Each person is allowed four selections. And right now all we're doing is putting them on the board. So in the order that the random name generator pops up, you're just going to say the name of your pick, your movie remake slash reboot that you believe is just God awful. Maybe if you want to say the year it came out. So in case there are any discrepancies, maybe there's more than one of the same title or something like that. Clarify as best you can and then we will get into it. All right, here we go. Let me hit the randomizer. The order is as follows. Spro, myself, Rudy, and Jeremy. Spro, you're up first. I do have a question. Did you point out that this is a double or nothing round? I did not. Actually, good point. Normally, each selection nets the winner uh, or nets the person who nominated that selection to the mountain one point. But since this is the season finale, we've all agreed that each selection that we get on the mountain will be worth two points. Really, we did that because it's the only way that any one of us can conceivably beat Spro. So thanks for bringing that up. But also, it'll make things more exciting toward the end. So that said, you're in the starting position if you want to reveal your picks. Cool. Um, I don't know the years. These are all came out in the 21st century, though. I have on my list, my four picks are Ben-Hur, Nightmare on Elm Street, Ghostbusters, and Poltergeist. All right, I'm up next. My picks are as follows. Ghostbusters from 2016. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 2014. The Mummy from 2017. And Godzilla from 1998. Next up, I forget who is next up. Rudy. It's me. All right, so on my list. And let me just say, this is this one was difficult for me. I love a, a reboot and a remake. God so damn it, was, Rudy. This is just the names right now. This was difficult. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I have from 2011, Footloose, 
I have from 2019, Hellboy. From 2015, Point Break. And also from 2015, The Fantastic Four. All right. Wow. Wheels are turning. Jeremy, finish us off. I have Ghostbusters 2016, the RoboCop remake from 2014, the Karate Kid remake from 2010, and I also have The Mummy from 2017. And there were a few other honorable mentions that maybe we can get into later. It was a tough list to make. So normally before we reveal our picks, we sort of talk about what goes into our thinking. This list, I think, is pretty self-explanatory. It's basically a terrible reboot. Um, When I was picking out my selections, and again, this was an incredibly difficult list, I think you have to look at the reverence that the original has gathered over the course of its legacy. And then what the remake or reboot did that was either completely the antithesis or just something that didn't work in a way that not only did it not add to the legacy, but it sort of cheapened the legacy as well. Spro, what went into your selections? A couple different things. First and foremost, there's a couple on my list that just make me viscerally angry that they actually exist in the world. Um, And we'll get into that later. But a lot of it was when I was going through, you know, I had to look up lists of what were remakes and what were reboots. And and I would think about each one and be like, did I find it slightly entertaining? And if I did, then I would just scratch it off. Like, you know, one of the things that comes around is like Ocean's 8. Well, I would watch Ocean's 8 before I watched Ocean's 13 again. So it's just kind of one of those things where I was doing more process of elimination and then getting my list that way. So if I can interject a little bit, we talked about this kind of as we were texting about, you know, what constitutes a reboot and a remake. And I think the Ocean's 8 example, correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't seen it, but isn't she Danny Ocean's sister? Yes. So I don't think that would count as a reboot. I think that would count as existing in the same universe as all the other Ocean's movies. We talked about Batman that way, like the Michael Keaton Batman, even though Batman changed to Val Kilmer and then George Clooney, the characters of like Alfred and Commissioner Gordon were still the same throughout those four movies. So those were like sequels more than more than reboots. Gotcha. Well, my second example would be Total Recall. I found Total Recall slightly entertaining, so I took it off my list. The one with Colin Farrell? Yeah. That was on my I, on my list for a while. It was on my list for a while, too. And I, man, it, it's a shame we didn't all come come packing that one because that would have been some easy points. Rudy, what what went into your thought process? Mommy. Oh, I see. You got your you got your picks from your son. <laughs> Just, hang on, hang on. Did we lose Rudy? I think we did. I'm, I'm still here. This this guy is I thought I had him all set up. I'm sorry. No right, problem. Um, what was the question again? I apologize. I just want to know what went into your thought process of picking what was a terrible remake or reboot. Well, let me tell you something. As I said in uh, the beginning. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Y'all, hang on one second. Rudy, are you back? I'm I'm, I'm here. So, So, Rudy, tell us what went into your thought process. Well, I I love... and I, I know I'm being I'm being very particular in the words that I use because I want to say I love a good remake and a reboot. And then I can hear you jokers. That's not good. Um, and that was my impersonation of Jeremy. Um, so I think what is going on here is that when everyone talks about things not being necessary or treading on the legacy, like I, I see a remake and a reboot as 
opening it up to a new audience, right? And the things that stood out to me were ones that uh, fell far short from the original. And I mean, I'm not going to get into details, but I think that was what I, I didn't viscerally react to it like, oh, I hate this. I was just like, mm, yeah, that didn't work. I watched it. I don't hate them, but they're not good. So that's, that's, I mean, I think that was what spoke to me when choosing it. I was like, yeah, these, these tried something and they failed miserably. Jeremy, tell me what went into your thought process when you made your picks. Well, I started thinking about first and foremost, whether the remaking question was even necessary. Cause there are some movies that you just don't need to, to remake them. They've said what they needed to say and either they end or the franchise goes on and it goes where it's going to go. But, uh, nowadays the, the feeling is just to remake everything. And, uh, like one movie that gets remade like every generation is A Star Is Born, and I think the reason for that is because you can examine the entertainment industry through a different lens every you know fifty years or so, and so it becomes kind of a new movie with new things to say. So there's been I don't know how many four or five versions of that movie since the '30s, and so when another remake of A Star Is Born comes out, it's like okay, this is this is a new interpretation of that story seen through a different lens, so it makes sense. But nine times out of ten, remaking a movie doesn't make any sense because you know when it was made, it was made in and of its time, and the context might not ma- mean the same, the story might not mean the same, the characters, the world that the movie existed in originally are different. So all of these things make it unnecessary to revisit a movie and, and to remake it. And certainly, when a movie is successful, I don't think there's any need to remake it. You know, there's some movies that were not very good, but then they maybe they did a remake of it and it ended up like the thing. I wouldn't say the thing wasn't good. I should clarify the the original thing, the Howard Hawks from the 50s. That certainly is not a bad movie. But John Carpenter was able to update it with new effects and kind of put a new spin on it. And it worked. So if there's something new to say, there's something new to do with the with the story, then great. But otherwise, let it go. These movies that I picked, specifically RoboCop um, and The Karate Kid, there was just no reason. There was no reason to go back to the well with these movies. They thought, with RoboCop especially, that there was name recognition, that they, they could build a new franchise, and that's all they were thinking. And it was a clear cash grab, and, and it it failed, understandably, and uh, unsurprisingly. So unnecessary seems to be a word that popped up in my head, I know, quite a bit. And that's what I was getting at when I was talking about like the, the legacy of the original film. Looking at just about all of these picks, I think that most of them... Looking at them, I'm trying to I'm trying to be intelligent here. But looking at most of these picks, I feel like they were built on a legacy that was, like you said, was either fine or great or had said what it needed to say and established itself as even if not a classic, a moment in pop culture that would never be duplicated, and yet somebody tried. And did any of you? get caught up in the hype like like my example i guess both on my list teenage mutant ninja turtles the 2014 version and ghostbusters were sentimental movies to me the recent ghostbusters was one of my first dates with the woman who's now my wife so part of that experience seeing it in the theater i think was probably you know rose-colored glasses and we walked out of the theater especially after all the negative hype being like yeah it wasn't that bad 
Um, and then a year later, we watched it on TV without the, you know, butterflies and the excitement of a second or third date. And we were just like, what fuck was that? It was terrible. Same thing for me with Ninja Turtles. My favorite movie of all time is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990 for a variety of reasons. And when I saw the trailers for the remake and, you know, the news about the remake, I was a total apologist. I was like, it's going to be fine. It's not going to be bad. It's not going to be bad. And I made a point. I think if I'm correct, I was living on the East Coast at the time and I made a point to fly back so I could see it with my mom, just like I did the first one. And again, got caught up in the hype. I was like, oh, awesome. The turtles are on screen. They're doing karate. This is great. And then watching it again from that objective point of view, that movie was fucking terrible. And I think and I'm wondering if any of you guys had the same the same experience, like got caught up in the excitement and then just sort of simmered down and realized like what did we just what what just happened speaking for myself i could say no uh all four movies i saw all four movies not in the theater i should say two out of four i saw in the theater but ghostbusters i went into despite all of the vitriol against it i went into it with an open mind i'm a huge fan of the franchise and i thought all right you know this is not the story that and my issue wasn't even the cast. My issue was that, that why remake it? You know, why couldn't they do a sequel where it's a new generation of women who are, have inherited the Ghostbusters legacy and are now, you know, picking it up where they left off and improving it and making it better and making it bolder and doing whatever. But why remake it? It just made no sense to me. I could even let that go. But uh, it was like being slapped in the face repeatedly for two hours and screamed at. That's what I felt like watching that movie. So. Ooh, let's 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 de- let's do a little deeper dive here. Why do you feel like you were being slapped and screamed at? I mean, because the I mean, it, it's getting a little boys clubby here, fellas. Let's be honest, female uh, no, woman haters. I mean, no, every single joke in that movie is said at top volume, right up to the camera. So you're saying that women are loud and they have screechy voices that hurt your ears. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that women are loud. I'm saying that the characters in this movie were loud. I'm only speaking to the people on screen in the 2016 Ghostbusters remake shouted every single line of dialogue from start to finish. And that includes the male characters. Get out of my friend, Ghost! Rudy, you're the only one who didn't put Ghostbusters on your list, and clearly you have an opinion about it. So why is that not one of the worst remakes? Well, listen, uh, yes, I love Ghostbusters. I love Ghostbusters too. Um, The reason it's not on my list is because it's not... I think what happens here is that people get caught up in and ingrained like they're like no that's not the way it's supposed to look that's not the way it's supposed to be and i think it got amplified i'm not no i joke i joke i love you guys i'm not saying you're misogynist but i'm saying that some people got caught up in the concept of the movie being remade but with women i they, they even hint at it in the movie they talk about they read one of the reviews of what some what someone said when they announced they were remaking it. There's something like, why do bitches got to be busting ghosts or, ghosts or something like that? And I think it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cute. I thought it was funny. 
I thought it was good to see that representation. It was empowering for young girls that, you know, and I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. I could go without Chris Hemsworth dancing. That seems silly, but I liked the whole, I, I thought it was clever. I enjoyed it. Rudy, question. Tell me the name of the villain in the new Ghostbusters. Oh, gosh. What's that? Uh, the actor you, you, or the actual villain? The the character's name. Um. Yeah, you just I think you just proved my point there that it was a non memorable remake of one of the most memorable movies of all time, I would argue. Yes. The other thing I want to point out is that my biggest issue was, as I said, the tone was completely hyped and over the top. Jokes come at you a million miles an hour. You look at the first movie, right? There's everything is subtle. Everything is understated. That's a big Twinkie, you know, uh, Bite your head off, man. You know, what are you, some kind of cosmonaut? Everything's one-liners, quiet, subtle humor. It's all done uh, without beating you over the head. And so, like, Mm -hmm. for example, when they have the first quote-unquote test of their uh, proton packs, they turn around and they they blast the maid's cart, and she's like, what the hell are you doing? And then he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were someone else. And then that's the end of the scene, and they go, oh, successful test. So then in the same, in the remake, they have Melissa McCarthy holding on to the thing. It's flying her around like a pogo stick. It's like wrestling a gator. I can't slow it down. Oh, my God. And here we go. I guess she's not bending her knees enough, right? She's doing a marvelous impression of a deflating balloon. We just got to let her ride it out until she's out of juice. He's corkscrewing me. Happy. I'll make some adjustments. It's like fighting a gator. And they're all talking over each other. They're all <laughs> What are you doing? You got to hold on. You got to ride it out. That's what it sounds oh. like. Until it just, it, it just becomes so, noise. So you're saying, you're saying that in real life, people don't talk over each other. Only it happens in this film. Well, this is I'm my not watching real life. I'm watching, this is Ghostbusters. Well, it's not real life. Well, you, well, it, it doesn't, I'm not, it, it doesn't say based on true stories, just to have the real interaction. You want those characters to have real authentic interactions, not quippy one-liners and then cut to the next scene. Like we're all accustomed to. I mean, we can all, I mean, listen, I, you, y'all, y'all, I've spared y'all. I was about to rain down fire of articles on you guys about, about the boys club no. and being ghost bros no. and listen totally wrong i'm going to i know I, i'm i listen jeremy you've been wrong quite a number of times on this podcast this is i mean i i didn't expect all three of you and i love how spro is just sitting there quiet i like how he threw in his oceans eight well i love oceans eight so uh, that's all women listen <laughs> None of you are safe from this. Wow. Um, Women has nothing to do with it. Because, again, people in real life can talk like normal people. You know, the, the, the characters in Ghostbusters, in the original talk to each other, relate to each other, normal people. When I talk with Matt, he and I don't scream jokes at each other and talk over each other. When the four of us talk, we all don't yell and scream until it just sounds like noise. We have do you know who yells and screams? Passionate people. I yell and scream. I'm, I'm passionate. Mm. 
I feel like I feel like we could I feel like this could just like a 2016 Ghostbusters proton pack test. This could get wildly out of control and ridiculous <laughs> very fast. Well, well so, uh, Spro, Spro, you have uh, you have been quiet throughout this. I don't want to deprive you of the chance to weigh in, but I do know that we need to get to the rest of our picks and just sort of explain why. Spro, you picked Ghostbusters uh, on your list. Do you want to do you want to weigh in on this controversy? Even though it's not a controversy, this movie is hot shit. Um, <laughs> so here's here's the problem with Ghostbusters 2016. It wasn't so much the fact that it was an all female cast; it was the fact that it like set women back. Because when they did it, and when they Wait promoted it, how they did, explain how this set women's back. Go ahead. Okay. Cisgender right. male. Explain how this set women back. What was the purpose of Ghostbusters? It wasn't the fact like we're going to put on an entertaining movie. It was let's see if this can work. Let's see if we can do this. What they should have done is made an intersex squad. They should have like figured out who was available from the last time, like a Bill Murray or a Dan Aykroyd, and then brought in some new talent and showed men and women working together. And then nobody would have made a big fucking deal that there was women, an all Ghostbuster, female Ghostbuster thing, but they did it. And then they started promoting it once they casted it, that this was going to be an all female thing. And that is what brought society down upon this movie. So it didn't even matter before it came out, if it was a good movie, everybody was going to attack it. It was horror. It was a, the wrong chess move to make as far as Hollywood is concerned. Okay, fantastic way to mansplain that. Ladies, did you take those notes? Wow. If you want to have a successful movie, you have to have men in it, okay? That's how you do that. Oh, my God. Way to go, guys. I don't even know. All I could think of is, all I could think of, Spro, is when you said men and women working together, all I could think of was men and women working together, mass hysteria. (laughs) That's all I could think of. Um, So, okay, I think think our feelings on Ghostbusters are all well-documented. Spro, Ben-Hur, Nightmare on Elm Street and Poltergeist. I'm going to let you decide how you want to go, but would love to hear your insights on those picks. Um, I'll save my worst for last. Uh, Poltergeist, I was living in Hollywood at the time. There was a billboard. I was on Cahuenga. There was a billboard right at the corner of Cahuenga and Franklin that I would pass every day. I got super excited for this movie. Went to see a screening. I was one of the first people that was able to see it. And it was literally Hollywood trying to take a really scary horror movie that was practically perfect and then make it PG-13 and try to get the kids involved. There was no purpose to it. And... Yeah, I was never pretty much on the hype train. Like as soon as you saw the PG-13 stamp, you knew exactly what Hollywood was trying to do with that movie. Ben-Hur, Ben-Hur from 1959 is one of the most celebrated movies of all time. Nominated for 12 Academy Awards, it won 11. No reason. There is no god-awful reason to remake this film. And yet they did it. And there was no way it was going to even touch its predecessors. So this is another instance of Hollywood not really knowing what the fuck they're doing. And then Nightmare on Elm Street is personal for me. Uh, I have written an Elm Street prequel that uh, Jonathan Craven was going to present to his dad in 2014, right before his father died in 2015. So I, it was, I was on my way to at least having my words read by Wes Craven. This movie comes out opening up to a new audience. It was supposed to open up everybody to a new audience of Freddy Krueger fans. They make Freddy Krueger not only a child killer, but a child molester. Somebody that you can absolutely, positively not not want to see another movie about. So they kill the franchise with this and my chances uh, of getting in front of Wes Craven. So this is personal for me and I will pay somebody $5 to put it on Rushmore. (laughs) 
Wow. <laughs> That's all I got. I had no idea that, uh, well, no idea of any of that backstory. That's a pretty awesome backstory. And I don't disagree. I mean, you heard my reasons for Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles. I don't disagree with putting, you know, personal vendettas here at stake. All good, compelling reasons. Uh, Rudy, let's go to you. We've got Footloose, Hellboy, Point Break, and Fantastic Four. I think your list is the only one that doesn't overlap with anyone else's. And to be honest, they're all good picks. Um, go through one by one and tell us what you thought. And I'm going to go in order like Spro did. Um, <clears throat> this one was a late edition. I had I, I substituted it for another one, one of my honorable mentions. Fantastic Four 2015. I on on the face of it, it should have been really good. And wait a second, wait a second. This, so this is the one with God, I can't uh, even remember who was in it. I, uh, uh, Kate Mara, Michael uh, B. Jordan was Jordan. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. And and on the face of it, they should have really I mean it should have been okay. And it they focused so much on like the look that I think they forgot about like putting together a coherent, cohesive story. And it, you know, it 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 really jumped. Normally I sit down for a comic book movie and I'm locked in. I don't move. I watch the whole thing. Like if I'm in the theater, no bathroom breaks, nothing, right? I, this took me a couple of days to finish. Like I paused it and I was like, I can step away from this. It just didn't hold me like normal movies do. So that's one. Um, Next would be the 2015 Point Break. Okay, so Catherine Bigelow's Point Break, right? Is like with Swayze and Keanu. Johnny Utah has been brought up before on this podcast because it's kind of like a cult iconic movie. And it... it, <laughs> it I could go on for days about what well, you know how it you know it it still kind of stands up and holds and 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 Bodhi at Swayze as Bodhi is just iconic. However, this 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 2015 remake they focused so much on the extreme sports that they forgot everything else. Like they didn't really pay attention to what made the first movie so good. And if you're gonna replace Swayze and Keanu, you better bring someone else other than a a bunch of people that I don't know. Luke Bracey as Johnny Utah. Who the hell is that? Like you got to step up your game for that one. So, and then next would be uh, the 2011 Footloose. Um, and I think strictly like I didn't like this for very, really stupid reasons. And my stupid reasons are I enjoy watching not Kevin Bacon dance through a warehouse and do gymnastics and 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 race i like i like the the tractor race and and the music and the culmination at the end where they can dance i don't know if our listeners are there there was a time our governor uh during this whole covid thing told us no dancing he was literally footloose in us and and it like stuck with me forever and that's the only thing i took from the covid restrictions so this had a pro i just had so many problems with this from the soundtrack to the actors it was just not good and last but not least is hellboy so Guillermo del Toro is a great storyteller and he's a, an amazing visual storyteller. And this was not visual storytelling. It was, I felt like CGI vomit and it should have been really good. I was pumped for it. Like uh, the, the Ron Perlman as at not returning this Hellboy was tough, but uh, what's that guy's name? David Harbour? Is that it? Is that the guy? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. That guy. He was coming off of Stranger Things. I love Stranger Things. I like him as an actor. He looked dope as Hellboy, but everything else around him felt extremely short. So that's those were on my list. To be honest, Rudy, yours, well, I take that back, Ben-Hur, but yours 
was the only list that contained movies that I actually forgot happened. (laughs) (laughs) Like I forgot about the Fantastic Four. I forgot about Footloose. I remember Point Break and it's Point Break was on my short list too. But ultimately, I I don't know. I crossed it off because it's just so blah that I felt like it's not even worthy of being called the worst. It was just it was just nothing. It was just it was just like the it was like the color. It was like the taupe of reboots, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like and don't get me wrong. The 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 extreme sports are or the extreme, you know, the action shots and the, the visuals in that movie are brilliant. There's a scene where they do the whole thing in the um, like they dive out of the plane in the flying squirrel suits, whatever those mm-hmm. are called. Yeah. And they 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 go across the side of a cliff that's covered in tall grass and it was a it was a no my dog's barking she didn't like this movie either right (laughs) it sucked didn't it yeah so there's a part where they go where they 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 swoop down over this tall grass and it was completely all practical you see the blades of grass come on (laughs) i think i think i get points for that dog agrees that's not what she's saying you don't you don't you don't speak golden retriever there's a scene where they um, the, the guys either jump out of a plane or something and they swoop down over the tall blades of grass and you see the blades of grass bend with the downdraft of their bodies. And that was all shot practical, like stuntmen actually did that. That I respect and that I saw and was just like, wow, that's amazing. But I mean, beyond that, like like I said, that movie was fucking beige. Like that movie was just <laughs> that movie was just I mean, I, I don't know how else to describe it other than like uh, like a rice cake of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, you want to weigh in at all on, on? I know you're a fan of the original, so. Yeah, I think Care to I think you nailed it. That it's just it's completely forgettable, and it, it commits the cardinal sin of some of the ones on my list. In that they think that point the reason people like Point Break is because of the surfing. So they said, oh, so let's do Point Break remake and do everything extreme. They're gonna fall out of planes and they're gonna dive off of cliffs and they're gonna do this, go surfing and they're gonna go kneeboarding and they're so it was like. No, no, no. That's not why we like the movie. That has nothing to do with it. But I love that you, I love that you use kneeboarding. There's like, every ridiculous extreme thing. Extreme kneeboarding. That's such, that's, such like a, that's such like a suburban white dad. <laughs> thing to think they're going to go on those boogie boards. <laughs> they're going to get their pogo sticks and their, their skate wheels. <laughs> they're all going to ride. And suddenly, suddenly, suddenly you're Eddie Murphy's... Um, Jewish guy at the barbershop from coming to America. <laughs> Where's the spoon? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it's just like, it's like they were like, oh, okay, so people like this about the movie. So let's give them more of that. And it's like, well, no, that's not what we liked about the movie. That was an element of the movie, but it wasn't the whole reason. But that's what they gave you. And then that's what you remember. And I, like you say, I could not tell you one scene that happened in that movie outside of the extreme sports. I couldn't tell you one line of dialogue. I couldn't even tell you who else was in it other than that really boring-looking blonde guy who had the same expression the whole time. And I, I don't even know his name. I mean, so we'd be remiss not to talk about the Fast and Furious franchise, which basically was, the first one anyway, was Point Break, but with street racing. Yes. And that obviously, you know, obviously took off and, and created its own universe. And I think what that proved was exactly what you were just saying, that it wasn't the surfing. 
because they um, supplanted surfing with street racing. And it was sort of the background of this movie of this conflicted cop who becomes friends with this guy he's supposed to bust. And there's this family dynamic and all that kind of stuff. And that, even though it wasn't a direct remake, was an homage to the the point break sort of arc um, proved that it's like a viable storyline. And you're exactly right. I imagine the, the pitch meeting for the Point Break remake, just like a bunch of douches in suits eating Doritos and chugging Mountain Dew, being like, hey, you know, you can hella ski and it would be awesome if, you know, they just liberated a bunch of money over Puerto Vallarta and via con Dios, bro. And then they greenlit it. Yep. And that was that. Exactly. And that's, yeah, exactly. Fast and Furious focused on the the family dynamic, which is what Point Break had. It was that that group of surfers were a family. And then Johnny Utah kind of gets ingrained in it and he gets carried away and kind of lost in that. And the same thing happened with Paul Walker. And they were compelling characters that you liked. And that's why 20 years later, we're still watching movies with those people. Bro, no, go ahead, Rudy. I was just going to say, I want to I thank you guys for proving my point. You guys gave compelling arguments as to why that movie belongs on Mount Rushmore. I appreciate that. I don't know if that's what we did, but yeah, I'm, glad, exactly I'm, glad, I'm glad you cherry-picked the quotes uh, to make that argument. Spro, do you want to weigh in on any of this? God, Ghostbusters was hot shit. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> no, Point Break, the only thing that I would say about Point Break is that it was almost a collection of just stunts, you know, and... Whether that's good or bad, uh, I do believe that stunt work is horribly overlooked in Hollywood. And so I appreciated that point of it. But Rudy is also right where it was just stunts and there was very little. I mean, they kind of like put the plot of the original point break through a strainer and then just, you know, filled in the holes with stunts. So either or it was on my short list, but I took it off because the stunt work was amazing in it. All right. To be fair, Rudy's not the only one who said that both Jeremy and I added intelligently to that argument. So don't give Rudy all the credit. Um, (laughs) Anyhow, Jeremy, uh, you and I crossed over with the mummy and I, I wasn't prepared for anyone else to have the mummy on their list. So I actually went back through our text messages and dug up the texts that I sent you when I first watched it. And I I saved them as evidence for this show. I'm going to read them. This was January 24th, I guess. So more than a year ago. And I texted you. So the Tom Cruise mummy might be the worst movie ever. And you just texted back a laughing face. It really is a corn riddled turd. I barely remember it. And I said, it is just drizzling diarrhea. And then you said, if shit could shit, it would make the mummy. The zero gravity scene was cool, but served no point whatsoever. It was obvious that Tom Cruise just wanted to do a zero gravity scene and they had to wedge it in somehow. And I said, his sidekick turning into a comedic zombie was what made me turn it off. I didn't actually finish it. And then you said, oh God, that was so awful. Do you want to know how it ends? Sure. Tom Cruise becomes a mummy too, and he and that asshole go off to fight other monsters. And then I just said, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, clearly we, 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 we both put it on our lists. I think what, what, what elevates this one for me is that it destroyed from the beginning the creation of an entire universe of movies yeah. that were banking on that film as the first stake in the ground the cutting of the ribbon to create the monster verse what were they going to call it the, the, the monster verse the dark universe the dark universe that's yeah. right um 
and and it was just it it was it was beyond forgettable because comparing it to and and I, I double checked on the Wikipedia page it it officially references it as a reboot of the 1999 Brendan Fraser Mummy, which is is certainly not one of the greatest movies of all time, but is so lovable and entertaining and enjoyable that this movie was like borderline offensive as as a remake. And don't get me wrong, a lot of people, a lot of people, I think would 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 point the finger at Tom Cruise and be like, oh, you know, Tom Cruise is a weirdo and stuff like that. I like Tom Cruise as an actor. I think he's he's awesome. I think it's sweet that he does all his own crazy stunts. His personal life, we don't have to talk about all that, but like even even his star power and even his um, pedigree as an actor just could not save this movie. Definitely. This movie is not Tom Cruise's fault. I can tell you right now, the person who is single-handedly responsible because he is the destroyer of franchises. Again and again and again, this name comes up. Alex Kurtzman. He is cinema poison. He is a professional moron who has spent his entire career ruining movies. He ruined Transformers. He ruined. Did this guy? Did this guy bully you in high school or something? He may as well have because oh. he he's destroyed everything I loved as a kid. So he's kind of like retroactively bullying me. So he's give me an address, Jeremy. I'll take care oh, of it. Please, I'd be happy to. He ruined. Go knock his uh, go knock his rearview mirrors off, Rudy. <laughs> so, but check it out. He destroyed Transformers. He destroyed Spider Man. They had that Spider Man. They were going to do the whole Spider Man shared universe with the Sinister Six and everything. Then he destroyed. Um, the dark universe. Now he's currently ruining Star Trek just week in and week out, just, just shitting all over Star Trek, making it more and more terrible. And he's also now about to destroy silence of the lambs with this Clarice spinoff series that I hear is hot garbage as well. So, uh, Alex Kurtzman is the single, uh, the man's most, uh, singly responsible for the mummies, uh, failure, and I don't know why they would ever entrust a franchise to someone so incompetent. Who is he? Is he a producer? Is he a he's, studio head? He's or? one of J.J. Abrams' cronies. Like, he came up with J.J. Abrams. I think he was, like, a writer for J.J. Abrams. And, you know, J.J. Abrams loves to put his friends in things, and, and you know, he his friends are all terrible. They're all awful, and they go out and they make, <laughs> and they make awful things. <laughs> That's such a broad, sweeping wow. claim. <laughs> but it's true. Wow. It's true. Uh, th- there is evidence to support this, th- that J.J. Abrams has this like cadre of like writers that he sort of brought together. Damon Lindelof, the guy on Lost, is one of them. And then he went on to do uh, Watchmen. That was terrible. And uh, then um, what's his name? Uh, Roberto Orci, who uh, went on to do the Star Trek movies with Benedict Cumberbatch, where they recast Ricardo Montalban's character as Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, as Khan in the Star Trek movies, <laughs> horrible. So, and then and Alex Kurtzman, who is just an a, an absolute villain uh, in Hollywood, who is ruining movie and franchises step by step. So, Rudy, I can hear you cackling at Jeremy talking about Star Trek. Is that like a white people thing that you're laughing at? One hundred percent. I'm a big Star Trek fan, but Star Trek's about diversity. Come on, right from the it's beginning. <laughs> but no, they, were there any were there, were there any um, Hispanic characters on Star Trek? Um, 
Ricardo, uh, that's a serious wait. question. No, I, can't, I'm, I'm, I don't. I mean, not in the original series, but uh, you know, obviously, certainly Ricardo Montalban is the series' greatest villain of all time. Fair. Yeah, fair. We, did, we didn't make it to space in in the original series. Yeah, you know, that's that's what they're saying. <laughs> so, Spro, you you are. So Spro, you have uh, out of all of us, you certainly have the most insight into like the inner workings of Hollywood. Care to comment on like what what Jeremy was just saying about how one guy can ruin all these franchises and reboots and remakes? I mean, that was that was like Napalm right there. There was a couple of movies that he like he shouted out that I was like, I, I like that movie. Like I liked Transformers. I liked Mission Impossible Three. I liked Watchmen. So um, yeah, I wouldn't say he's. I mean, he hasn't made a movie recently. I do want to question. Wait, which Watchmen like are you talking movie. about? Are you talking about the, the 2009 Watchmen or the recent one on HBO? Yeah. No, the 2009 Watchmen. But I can't say anything bad about the Watchmen on HBO because I my best friend works on it. No. Well, so, the Watchmen, um, uh, well, I'll spare your friend. I'll, I'll keep my opinions to myself. I like the, the <laughs> Zack Snyder. I like the Zack Snyder one from 2009. I thought that was as good a Watchmen adaptation as you could ever hope to get. But because uh, Kurtzman was an uncredited writer on it on the 2009 Watchmen, yeah. Oh my goodness! Oh, oh wow! Oh, how, wow! How, everything, wow. everything. <laughs> we just oh look at that. We just had a, a conscience check here on um, on mm-hmm. the Mount Rushmore podcast. You know what, Elephant, ladies and gentlemen? You know what? One, Jeremy's Jeremy's going to do the uh, he's going to do the Charlie Sheen Wall Street thing and go out on his balcony and go, "Who am I? Right. <laughs> Who am I?" Now. One one good movie, and look, I like some of the Transformers movies. Matt and I could talk about that, and a lot of that was because my kids liked them when they were kids, and I kind of have fond memories about that. But they're objectively not very good films. But being an uncredited writer on one quality movie and then destroying franchise after franchise ever since does not. Do you think he does it? Do you think he does it on purpose? I don't think he knows he's doing it. I don't think he's smart enough to know the difference. I love that you just said whatever the quote was. J.J. Abrams' friends are all terrible. <laughs> it's so well, such it's a, true. That was such a that was such a like they didn't invite me to the birthday party <laughs> thing to say. I know, but oh, well, believe me, if J.J. Abrams suddenly said, "Hey, I really want to make Ocean of Storms into a movie," I'd be like, "Your friends are awesome. Can I hang out with you guys?" <laughs> yeah, that's great. So yeah, awesome. I'd sell myself out in a second. Who am I kidding? So we have we have. We have a few outliers left. We've got uh, from Jeremy's list, RoboCop and the Karate Kid. I I so vacillated between the Karate Kid and Godzilla, and I'll I'll talk about why in a minute. But between RoboCop and the Karate Kid, Jeremy, tell us why, because those are both stellar picks, I think. Tell us why those made your list. So uh, I guess I'll start with uh, RoboCop. Now, I love RoboCop, and uh, I love the original. I, I, but I really am not a fan of anything that followed because to me, RoboCop is a closed loop. Once that movie ends, you can't go anywhere with it because he's become Alex Murphy again. He is no longer RoboCop. And he might Are still you be- talking about with, in addition, like the sequels also? Even the sequels. They're fine. Well, no, RoboCop 3 is not fine. But, you know, it's like whatever. They're, they're, they exist and they're, they are what they are. But to me, they don't really have a, a purpose because once he's. Alex Murphy again. He's not RoboCop, and, and yes, he still has to be in the suit. But in the other movies, he's got the the helmet on again. And he's punching guys through the wall, and he's making quips, and he's saying "freeze, creep." And it's like, well, wait a minute. At the end of that movie, he had reclaimed his humanity, and now he's gone back to just being a robot again. And so, to me, once you end RoboCop, it's over. 
So I understand the need to, to and the desire to try to make a franchise out of that character, but it, it just to me never really works. That said, wait, did he have in the new one? I remember his suit was black, and he had kind of like the Marvel X Men Cyclops visor. Did yeah. he have um, no? Did the original RoboCop have a cod piece? <laughs> That's going to be my pull quote for the intro of the show because I, 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 I don't recall. Kind of looks like. Maybe all all I remember about seeing that, and I saw that RoboCop the the 2014 when I saw it in the theater because it was it's it's the reason you go in to see any remake. It's just like you know, give it a shot. Maybe it'll be good. the The, the first one was awesome. There's no reason to assume that based on the source material, another one couldn't be awesome. The only thing I remember from that, I completely forgot Michael Keaton was in it. Yeah. The only thing I remember from that, I couldn't tell you who played Robo, RoboCop. But I remember the scene where it's just like, this is almost laughable now that I think about it. Like, at least in the first one, when Murphy gets destroyed by Clarence Boddicker and the gang, like, they blow off his hand, they they shoot him to shit, but there's still some semblance of his body left. Yeah. Like, like there's like he had, like there's a human form that is left that they turn into RoboCop <laughs> right. in the 2014 one. <laughs> it's literally like, it's like two eyes. Yeah. And it looks, it's like yeah. a slim, it's like, it's like, it's like one of those um, models in biology class that shows you how like yeah. the muscles in your face. Work. Take the and it's like, just like, it's like suspended in midair with like a couple veins and a couple like, like tendons and yeah. two googly eyes. It's like, like his face, and then like they go all the way down, and there's a hand. And it's like, yeah. that's it. It's like, what did I do to my body? It's like, and it's supposed to be this horrifying, like body horror scene, like, oh my God, he's been destroyed. But it's just like, what the heck? He looks like a, a science, yeah, like a science experiment. Like, what that clear. He looked like, he looked like Mr. DNA from um, yeah. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Bingo. Dino DNA, <laughs> like like it was just like it and 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 from then I mean like like I don't know why because that's like I, I don't know that's for some reason like I decided to turn into like a scientific brain at that moment and I was like you can't build a RoboCop from right. all that like that's like that's like when um what was the uh, I can't remember but it was like um you know that's like in face off when they like uh reconstruct caster troy's face from his ear or whatever or or, no you know what it was it was in it was in this is what it was it was in god i can't believe i'm gonna make this reference it was in blade trinity Mm. they find a piece they find a piece of dracula's armor and they extrapolate it and it all it is is like a little like mini shingle of armor and they extrapolate it and they're like, yeah, this is probably what his armor looked like. Like from this little square of, of, of obsidian or some shit like that. And that's what RoboCop reminded me of was just like, you can't, you can't build a guy from two eyes and some fucking lips and a a couple (laughs) fingers. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's so bad. But to me, literally I felt like the pitch meeting stopped with the title and they said, well, what do we got here? It's RoboCop. Okay. There's your movie. He's a robot. Who's a cop go. And they didn't, all the humanity, all the the drama, all of the, the 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 themes that were present in the original RoboCop, corporate greed, you know, who, who is what makes a man, you know, what makes a man human, all of these ideas and concepts junked, and it was like put him in the suit, have him fight a bunch of machines, and it was coming on the heels of you know the MCU was really getting hot by that point. Uh, so it was like, make him look like Iron Man, make him fight a bunch of other drones and, and robots. And and it's just noise and stup- stupidity. And there's no point to it. It's, it's just nonsense. 
for, and uh, it, it adds up to nothing. And it's, it's frustrating because uh, there's, there was, there was, there's something that you can delve into with RoboCop and, the, and Paul Verhoeven did very successfully. And it has nothing to do with him being a robot or a cop. Okay. So Rudy and Spro, do you guys have anything to add to the RoboCop legacy? Cause I feel like I can't remember what, sh- Oh, maybe no, it wasn't the sci-fi movies. Anyway, I feel like RoboCop's come up before. Um, the only thing that I was, you know, it, <laughs> y'all hit it right on the head, but because uh, I remember thinking the same thing watching that movie. And as you guys were talking, all I could think about was the time that the original RoboCop partnered with Sting to like go up against like Oli and Arnie. Yes, Capital and, and Sid bitches. Yeah. And like he ripped the doors off, yes. like a cage or something. Like, oh my and I was God, like, RoboCop is here. Because RoboCop and that's, that's all I can think. And about. that, and and yet that was better than the remake. Oh, by far. Jeremy, talk about the Karate Kid. Okay, another movie that just had no reason to exist. I mean, again, j- taking away all of the heart and soul of what Karate Kid had, the original, um, and just just saying, let's just replay the story beats in a new setting and try and change up a couple of things and and hope that it works. And, and instead of what getting to the, the core of why the Karate Kid works, it's this wonderful relationship between a, you know, young boy who is totally out of his element and this father figure that he desperately needs who kind of helps him become a man. And it's this really powerful story. And it's, you know, it's a great, it's just a great 80s movie. But this is just like, eh, what's the point? I mean, there's no... There's no tension. There's no drama, uh, and even the stuff that he that he does, like in the in the Karate Kid, right? How compelling is it when he spends weeks busting his ass at Miyagi's house, painting the fence and waxing the cars, and sanding the floor and doing all this crap? And you're like, what is what's up with this? Like as a viewer, you're like, what's happening? And then ultimately, it's one of the greatest moments in in '80s cinema. When it, he just breaks out and is like, oh, my God, like he, Miyagi busts out all the moves and he goes, oh, my God, I've been learning karate the whole time. Like, that's so compelling. And what do you get in this? He teaches him to throw a chair, his jacket onto a chair over and over again. And like somehow that teaches him karate. And it's like, how is that interesting? It's like, well, wait, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Didn't he teach him kung fu? Well, yeah, that's the yeah, other thing fu. I was going to get to. It's not even karate. It's kung fu. So it's like. <laughs> It's just all meaningless. It was literally just let's transplant the title onto another movie and hope people pay for it and and fall for it. It's just lazy, you know, and and it's just it's cheap and and it, it, you you feel like you're being swindled when you sit and watch a movie like that because you're like I I, I know what you're doing. You're hoping Swind- swindled is such a great depression word. Yeah, see you being taken for a ride. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I went to the Nickelodeon and I got swindled I got, by seeing the great. I got kid. swindled by Jackie Chan, see, and Jaden Smith. They, they swindled me out of my moon pies and my hay pennies, see? Yeah, I'm not gonna have it, see? But I mean really Rudy, Rudy, uh, we'll translate this for you after the show. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Um so Spro, you uh and I and Jeremy on Second Chance Cinema recently talked in depth about the karate kid two and three and you know by association karate kid itself and then cobra kai um any thoughts on the karate kid remake uh well jeremy is much more passionate about karate kid than i was i didn't mind the remake um i'm a big jackie chan fan so to see him step into the role of sensei sensei um with a with a 
another kid. Like to me, it was, it was fun. It was, I understood it. Same with, I didn't weigh in on the RoboCop, but RoboCop wasn't fun for me. I didn't like the film whatsoever, but I can see the Hollywood pitch, you know, like, oh, it's, let's bring it into the new age for, like somebody said, for a new audience. So I can, I understand what Hollywood was thinking with remaking these or rebooting these. Um, but as far as it goes, like RoboCop, I'm fine with saying it's it's one of the worst. But Karate Kid, I actually enjoyed. See, the, Je- the Jackie Chan thing, like uh, uh, Jackie Chan is one of my favorites of all time. But he wasn't Jackie Chan in that movie. Like Jackie Chan to me is like meticulously and beautifully and intricately choreographed fight scenes that are mixed with humor, that are mixed with artistry and all that. In this movie, he was just like a grouchy maintenance man who... I mean, he he played the Miyagi archetype, I guess. Um, but it, like that, Jackie Chan made me sad. Like that was that was like that was like yeah. bizarro Jackie Chan. What are you saying, oh, Rudy? It was perfect. He was perfect. It was he was suffering from PTSD. He had his own personal trauma to deal with, and I think that's what I enjoyed about the movie that they made Miyagi. They gave Miyagi a little more depth. That they were able to and Jackie Chan stepped out of his normal like Jackie Chan roles to take it on. I loved it. And I loved the fact that they put it in a different setting. So, it, it you know, it showed more of culture. I, I thought it was a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. I mean, I, fair enough. I, uh, <laughs> I fair enough. I, I'm uh, for me, I, you could you could write down the plot beats and it would be exactly the same movie as Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Everything comes back to Fast and Furious. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, it's like fish out of water goes to Japan, meets this mentor figure, ultimately overcomes bullies. It's the same movie. So. All right. Before we get into the eliminations, the one that's been lingering on the board, and this was the one that I threw on my list at the last moment. I've already given my impassioned speech about Ninja Turtles, and I think that my personal history with the Ninja Turtles aside, and let me just let me just actually bring up the the conversation, Rudy, that you and I had not too long ago about showing your son the original Ninja Turtles. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put words in your mouth, but he seemed to be pretty fond of it from what I recall you telling me, correct? Jumping up and down, yelling okay. the names as they showed up. So that movie is magical. That movie in its in its simplicity, in its rudimentary practical effects and its budget look and all that was just it was just for 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 us and and when i say us i mean like our generation it was magic and the reboot like i said was exciting and once the excitement wears off once the sizzle is gone the steak is just a terrible movie the 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 origin story of the turtles is so ridiculous she uh april o'neill it's I mean, it's almost laughable. She's like, wait a minute. I know these guys. These were my dad's lab turtles. And somehow they fell down the sewer and somehow they got covered with ooze. And somehow I met them again 16 years later. Like it was it's it's a terrible movie and it stomped. I hate to be I hate I hate it when people say it stomped on my childhood because number one, it's not your childhood anymore. OK, I'm sure there were plenty of kids who were the same age as I was that went into that theater seeing the 2014 Ninja Turtles and came out begging their parents to sign them up for karate. And I think that's awesome. But for the purposes of this show, that was a shitty movie that deserves to go on the mountain. 
Now, the one that hasn't been brought up, and I'm I, I'm I'm honestly surprised that this wasn't on anyone else's list because this was suggested to me by we'll just call him an outside consultant. This was suggested to me when I when I um, when I was discussing my list with a with a friend who has similar taste in movies, and it 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 was a light bulb in my head. I was like, holy shit, Godzilla from 1998. Thinking back to just how hyped that movie was, how um, groundbreaking and amazing it was supposed to be, and how terrible it actually ended up being. Not just for like the 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 classic reasons of like bad story, bad effects and all that, but like I don't think I don't think I appreciated the Godzilla legacy until honestly until we started seeing the trailers for like Godzilla versus Kong and even the like the mythology of all the Godzilla monsters and stuff like that. And to think back on this one where it's like Godzilla shows up and he doesn't even look like like Godzilla, which fine, I can forgive. You know, there's a reimagining dramatic license with whatever character you want. But then he turns it. It's, it's this like a sexual Godzilla who lays eggs in Madison Square Garden. And it becomes this big story about trying to blow up the city with him inside it. And it was just such a shit show that just stomped on, for lack of a better word, the legacy of such an icon. I think I have like maybe another glass of the wine left and then I'm done with the bottle. So I don't know how much of that I'm <laughs> yeah. actually going to cut out, but feel free to weigh in, guys. No, I think, you know, you, you were right. It was extremely hyped. Like it was like and it had everything backing it up in pop culture in the in the late 90s that was mean meant it was going to be a success it had a dope soundtrack and oh my god it, i forgot about the soundtrack that was the fucking jimmy page puff daddy remix wasn't it yeah and then oh, it had the wallflowers covering bowie oh god it, brain it, stew yeah it had yeah you're like it had everything you needed for a 90s movie to be amazing and I I remember because you know you you become accustomed to so, uh, something looking like a certain way. Go- yes. Godzilla is yes. kind of iconic. Yes, yes, and it kind of looked it it looked like a what is that a Komodo dragon? Is that what they like call a that? Shitty it, dinosaur. It looked like what? a shitty dinosaur. Yeah, and it looked it, like a shitosaurus. <laughs> shitosaurus Rex. And then they had the the mayor. Who were supposed to be Siskel and Ebert? Yeah, the ma- <laughs> and I didn't realize that until I, I read it on Wikipedia today. The mayor, the mayor's name was Mayor Ebert, yeah. and his assistant's name was Gene. Gene. And either they they I forget if they get killed or they're just like buffoons the whole they're movie. Buffoons, and he's eating all the time. He's like, shut up, Gene! I have to have candy. It's like, <laughs> wow, <laughs> what they, what kind of issue do you have with Siskel and Ebert? Obviously, they don't like your movies. Jesus, how but, petty! No, Rudy, Rudy, you nailed it. Like even as kids growing up. We may never have seen a Godzilla movie, but we knew who Godzilla was. We knew what Godzilla looked like. We knew Godzilla was badass. This was not Godzilla. That's, I mean, that's that's how I kind of feel. I mean, full disclosure, I I saw it twice in the oh. theater. I I well, it's two separate dates. Your boy was a player, um, but I mean, yeah, I I you know as I. You know, after the second viewing, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll probably never watch that again. Like, so I, yeah, I was even the cast, like even the cast, like, I mean, nothing against Matthew Broderick, but the cast felt so 
just like underwhelming. Like, like Hank Azaria was the like like New York cameraman. He's like, oh, there's a big lizard over there. I gotta get a shot of him, and he's gonna step on me. Like all that stupid shit. And um, God, I couldn't. Harry Shearer was in it as the as like a reporter. I couldn't even tell you anyone else who was in it. There was was that awful woman. I don't remember what her name was, but it was it was some like blonde woman who was just like, I want to be a reporter, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the scoop, and then she like steals the videotape. There's the misogyny again. No, it's not the misogyny. Same voice Ghostbuster argument. No, she was just a terrible character. It was it was a full of terrible characters, terrible and forgettable, and it was it was just. I mean, the appeal of Godzilla is the look, the power, and the iconography mm-hmm. that's associated with him. And this movie had none of that, and it 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 fronted itself as if it was going to have all of that it, because all the poster, all the posters, and all the marketing just had the one foot stomping down on like a building or something like that. And you were like, "Holy shit, this is going to be awesome!" Well, I remember they, then there was the one where uh, they were in the museum and they're showing the T Rex skeleton. And they're like, "This is the greatest creature to ever walk the earth." And then the Godzilla foot comes in and crushes it, and it's like you know a hundred times bigger. So it's obviously like a like a knock on Jurassic Park. And it was like, oh yeah, they throw down the gauntlet because they're coming off of Independence Day too, which is one of the greatest summer blockbusters ever. So it's like these guys doing Godzilla. How could this go wrong? How will this fail? It's impossible. And uh, boy, did they show us. Were any of those guys J.J. Abrams' friends? No, I don't think so. But J.J. Abrams wrote Armageddon, so I'll give him that. Were you going to say that, Rudy? Were you going to? Yeah, I was, I was like, how many of them were friends with J.J. Abrams? <laughs> hey, man. Spro, do you want to weigh in on Godzilla? I, I own the VHS. I really like Godzilla. <laughs> okay, so fair enough. Tell us why. I mean, clearly we don't see it, but t- so tell us why, honestly. Well, I just, well, like, to be honest, like, I, I, my eyes floated at the end of the movie. Like, I really liked the story of God's, of this lost lizard who has no idea, you know, where we were just living in its world. And then it, like, came to the surface and it tried to, you know, lay some eggs in Madison Square Garden. And in the end, we trapped it in the Brooklyn Bridge wires and we shot it to death. It was just, you know, and, and in the end, there's that, like, that humane thing that we got back with a, King Kong, when, you know, they kill this gigantic beast. And then in the end you go, wait, no, this is just an animal, a lost animal that, uh, that is too big for this world. So we have to kill it. So that whole, I don't know, like my, it spoke to my, you know, I like animals probably more than I like humans. And that it, I like that storyline of just, uh, humans being dickheads. Really. I can certainly relate to the loving animals, uh, mindset. And you know that, um, but I, I don't think that, that, this Godzilla was compelling enough to to make me feel the empathy like that that sort of empathy I kind of felt more toward like the Cloverfield monster being this like lost thing in a city just on a rampage but Godzilla was just it was just uh, it was just a failure I suppose killing off Godzilla bummed me out too. I'll be honest. And I was already bummed out by that point. I was already broken and just defeated by this movie. But I was like, to me, you don't kill off Godzilla. You know, Godzilla always has to sort of get away because he's ultimately the hero of the movie. So that even if you stop him from destroying the city, killing off Godzilla to me feels counter to what the franchise is about. You don't go to 
watch the franchise for Matthew Broderick, you know, and Hank Azaria, you know, like, oh, I can't wait till Matthew Broderick returns in the season. They're not exactly, they're not exactly Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you want Godzilla to, to like, I really thought they'll trap him in the Brooklyn bridge and then they'll like, you know, knock him out and then they'll put him on a barge. We must study him and understand what he does. And that's what, like the movie will end with him, like on a barge, being towed out to like an island somewhere and wake up and then slip into the ocean. And that's be Godzilla too. But no, they just kill him off. And I was like, so that's great. So you just, you kill off the only interesting character you even had in this movie. Just, just Hollywood really movie. struggles with Godzilla movies. They do. They do. All right. Well, we've come to the most uncomfortable part of the show, which is the elimination round. So the way this works, uh, if you're still listening, round one, <laughs> we, we randomize our names again. And in round one, we cut one from our own list. In round two, we randomize the names once more, and we cut one from another person's list. And then in round three, we randomize the names one final time, and uh, in the order that they appear, that person has to nominate a selection from someone else's list onto the mountain. Are there any questions before we get to this, the season finale of the Rushmore podcast? Let's do it. All right. Well, in that case, hold on one second while I queue up the music. I just figured out that I might I should just put somebody that I can't argue <laughs> and then I could just delete them in the first round. That's yeah, see that's- see that's the strategy. That's that's the that's the that's this is a game of chess. This is definitely chess. All right. Well, then here- I remove Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Let me, okay, does anybody have to take a piss or anything? Because I do. <laughs> go for it, buddy. All right, let me go piss. Go and I, got, I actually got to get my power cord, too, because my computer's about to die. Give me two minutes. Okay. Dose. That was, oh, wow. So, like, dude, like, this is not going to be a good episode for me. Like, cause, like, you got two on your list that I'll argue for. Well, you, I mean, like. You've got two on your list. I'll argue for uh, MC's got two. Jeremy's got two. Like I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> Although I do want to. I mean, we're still recording and everything like that. The Mummy. Are we saying that's a reboot of the Brendan Fraser? Or are we going all the way back to like the Abbey and Costello days? I think he said from what he read, it was a reboot of the Brendan Fraser. Yeah, or well, I think it's just a reboot of the franchise. You know, it's just. Taking God, that was supposed to it's just taking that I, intellectual property, rebooting it and and remaking it for a new generation. I will say I don't I didn't like that movie whatsoever, but I fucking wanted Universal to pull it off. Oh sure. And do this that dark universe. The problem with the Universal is they didn't realize that it's not Tom Cruise versus a mummy that would sell tickets. It would be a kid versus the mummy that would sell yeah, tickets. Yeah, like Monster Squad. Monster Squad. They should have yeah. just. Oh my. Monster Squad should have been the end game of the Dark Universe. I mean, imagine taking oh, Stranger Things with the Universal Monsters. You know. That's, oh, yeah, that's where yeah. they failed. Yeah, that's basically what Monster Squad is. But I mean, like that. 
doing that in, in today's setting would have been fantastic. And and then you could bring in your your mentor figure, you know, your Ian McKellen or somebody who's like the old Van Helsing. I've been hunting these monsters since before your parents. And then he mm-hmm. he teaches them to how to fight monsters. And then it just it just grows from there. Oh my god, that would be amazing. You guys are amazing storytellers. How the fuck do you do this? Like <laughs> Like he could have showed up as Valkyrie, yeah, you know, like, exactly. but the Valkyrie Van Helsing. Yeah. I don't know fantastic. what you guys are talking about. I came, I came back in. I ran back in so fast that a little bit of pee dribbled down my leg, but I, it came back in and it sounded like you guys were talking about something awesome. So that's just age. <clears throat> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That is, that is my body betraying me at, uh, at this ripe old age. So, um, all right, I'm going to hit the random, the randomizer and, um, this round, we're going to cut one from our own lists. All right, here we go. We have myself, Jeremy, Spro and Rudy. I just want to point out Rudy is gunning for Ghostbusters. Hey, I, know, I, know, I know, I know, I know, okay. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Let's not make look, ourselves look, too look. weak here. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Shut up. We've got the numbers game here. We've got the numbers game. But so, so it was myself, Jeremy, man, Spro and Rudy. Okay, how do I want to do this? I think I have to go for Ghostbusters off my own list. I'm sorry, that's a little bit of a selfish play, but I'm going to cut Ghostbusters from my own list because it's still on two after that. And I, I'm still legit for the points. So Ghostbusters is off my list. Jeremy, who comes off your list? Looking at my list, these are all such dog shit movies that it's very hard. <laughs> but I, I'm going to take out the Karate Kid. Okay. The other three are so offensive, I don't want to run any risk of them possibly getting left off because they all deserve a place in the dumpster of movie memory on Mount Rushmore. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Spro, you're next. I, I think I'm only going to eliminate the one that I don't think any of you care about, which is a uh, poltergeist. I couldn't tell you a thing about poltergeist except Carol Ann and like all the people involved with the original movie are dead. They are dead. somehow. Well, Spielberg's still alive. Oh yeah. He well, good for him. But yeah. Like all the cast died. Terrible. Right. Things. All right, Rudy, you're up. Um, look, I, I'm gonna go. I, I got to stay true to my who I am as a person, and I love all superhero movies. What the and fuck so are you talking about? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut the Fantastic Four. Cut the Fantastic Four. All right, I'm glad you did that because I think one of the points that we we didn't mention with the Fantastic Four is that normally when a shitty reboot happens, it's based on a good movie. That sh- <laughs> that shitty reboot was based on two shitty movies. So you three, if, if you count the Roger Corman sh- remake. Oh, God, yeah, always. that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. That was a quick round. That was a good round. All right. So now that we've re- we've eliminated uh, movies from our own lists, we're going to eliminate movies from each other's lists. Now, this doesn't have to be from any specific person's list. It's basically just anything remaining on the board that's not on your own list. And the order is Bro, myself, Rudy, and Jeremy. 
Mm, 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 mm. I find this round fun. Um, <laughs> there's only one movie really that I own on this list, and that would be Your Godzilla. So I would have to just go there because I actually bought that movie because I liked it. Well, fuck you. I mean, nothing personal. I just no, you're right. You're making that decision. Decision. No, you're right. I, you know what? I, I deeply regret that sentiment. <laughs> you are you are one of my best friends, and I feel though I made a compelling argument for Godzilla, it is not my choice. However, now it is my turn. I do it. All right, look. Here's what I'm going to say. I have faith in you guys that because this is the season finale, we will not let this be a shitty mountain. Okay, we will, we will not let this become another Urkel. <laughs> Therefore, um, like I said, this movie is... God, this is hard. Um, I don't even know what you're thinking. I don't know. So I'm on the edge of my seat. Here's my thought process. Should I eliminate a movie because it's just nothing? Or do I have to eliminate a movie because it's not bad enough? Or because it's like so close to being horrible, but it doesn't quite cross that precipice. And I think the We're looking mo- for the horrible ones, right? Right. Like- yep. 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 And and what I don't want to happen is a non-horrible one, just a boring one, a beige or a taupe one to end up on the mountain. So I'm going to try to get rid of as many of those as I can, and I'm going to get rid of Footloose just because. Fuck. What that. the hell is wrong Ooh. with you? What? So. Uh, next up, uh, Rudy, your turn. Oh, I'm coming for you. Uh, Those are the two that I liked of yours, Rudy. <laughs> oh, damn. I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna take out. I'm taking out. Uh, it doesn't really effing matter, does it? Um, I'm just, gonna go. Just, for, just do it, Rudy. Just do it. You know you want right? to do it. Just do it. You know what? You're right. You're right. I totally do. Um, you know why? Because if you do it, I mean, it's still gonna go on the mountain. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. That's psychology. Don't fall for it. Just do it. Right. You, you know what? You. Just do it. I'm, I'm, cut, I'm, cutting, I'm cutting MC's Ghostbusters. Oh, I already, it's, it's I already, already, I already cut my Ghostbusters. <laughs> Damn it! Stop. You did. That's oh. a losing war. I'm gonna take out. Um, I'm gonna take out Jeremy's Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, can all I, right. Can I mansplain something to you? <laughs> Bro, take the floor. Take the floor. And and. That- what? Take the floor and wipe it with Rudy. You were just that's to, as a chess move. You were just sacrificing a pawn. Like there was nothing. There was no gain there. There was no gain. Oh, okay, thanks. You have <laughs> Rudy. You have less game than the Puff Daddy remix of uh, Led Zeppelin from the Godzilla Maybe movie. You know that song. You're just gonna call it the Led Zeppelin song. What is it? What did I call you it? Don't know. Do you know the name of the song? Um. Okay, we'll move on. Jeremy's up next. Yeah, Jeremy's up next. I don't know. I finished my $3 wine, so. The song is Cashmere that they remember. Cashmere, I, that's right. That's from, that's uh, it, that's, that's uh, no, that's uh, that's from uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's yes. the, like the, the number one tip for the date, right? And then Rat and Stacy go on the date. Yeah. Yeah. But he says like, he's like side one of Led Zeppelin 4, and then they're playing Cashmere, which is not on that album, so. I don't know if that's supposed to be a joke. First he's going to shit, then he's going to kill us. <laughs> if he's going to shit, then he's going to kill us. So good. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, your turn. Uh, I am taking out Point Break. God, y'all All right. Are so- 
for the for the reasons that you said is that we don't want something that's bland to end up on the mountain. Y'all just need to say we don't want Rudy's picks on the mountain. Just say it. It's not. It's coded language. Everybody, you didn't, it. Rudy, you didn't make the movie. You made the pick. Whatever. Right. It's not Whatever. your fault. All right. Luke, Luke Fraser won't hold them against you. <laughs> All right. Now look. Now look. Here's the thing. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks left on the board. Now we each have to pick pick one from someone else's list. However. That doesn't necessarily mean that we are going to be picking one from each person's individual list. There might be some that just don't get picked. This is like middle school dodgeball here at this point. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to randomize this again and then this is going to be it. This is going to be our season finale of picks. And we're going to each have to nominate a selection from someone else's board to go on the Mount Rushmore of worst movie reboots remakes. Here we go. All right. The order is Jeremy, myself, Rudy, and Spro. Jeremy, you're up first. All right. Well, let's just get this out of the way. Like, uh, like in Bad Boys when he's reading the rights in the car, getting it out the way. <laughs> Jeremy, that's beautiful because that was almost that was like the first quote you ever said on this show that's on the first episode, I think. <laughs> during the yeah. elimination round. Back when we were back when we were just little little fawns being born in the forest, trying to find our footing and wobbling right. around and still covered in birthing fluids. That's one of the, the things I remember. Yes. And I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Um, you know, little, I, I went a little too deep with the metaphor, but, um, but I recall that fondly and I'm glad that you brought it full circle. Yes. So go for it. So my choice is from Spro's list and that is the 2016 Ghostbusters. All right. So Spro's Ghostbusters is on the mountain, which means that I'm going to tear a page out of my notebook here. That means that everyone who nominated Ghostbusters gets two points for that. Now, refresh my memory. Who nominated Ghostbusters? I know I did. I certainly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up. Um, me. <clears throat> well, I think I'm going to play this smart and I'm going to nominate to the mountain Jeremy's The Mummy. Oh, my gosh. What a shocker. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, look, 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 let's, let's not look, 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 let's, let's take a timeout here for a second. Zach Morris timeout. All right. Let's, let's not forget the purpose of the show. The purpose of the show is, is cloaked within all of the, the junior high rhetoric and insults trading and, and, and ridiculousness is to really examine all these elements of pop culture and, and, and do our best to, to create this edifice of, in this case, dog shit. And, and, and I feel like, I feel, I feel like so far, Ghostbusters and the Mummy, we've done that. I do. And, and, and that said, Rudy, it's, it's your turn. All right. So listen, I, I want to come out and say this. Um, during the course of this episode, I realized that, uh, that this episode wasn't about me. Um, and that uh, some of the picks that you guys uh, gave and your soliloquies, if you will, over why you chose them were very moving. So I'm going to select <sighs> Spro's Nightmare on Elm Street. Wow. Oh my gosh. It worked. So you have to Venmo him $5 right now. <laughs> 
Well, he's, I mean, he's still got that final round thing, so I'm not going to do it just yet. Oh, wow. Oh, maybe this was a trick. Maybe this was a swerve. It's carved in stone. Because there's, we've got like one pick of Ghostbusters up on that mountain. So, you know, like maybe Rudy's playing the long game where he got rid of Jeremy's Ghostbuster, knowing that that was going to be a weak pick for the mountain. Maybe. I didn't think of that. Spro, you're up. Um, well, as the points stand, <laughs> it's 16, 16, 18 with Rudy back at 11. I like, I didn't mind. So TMNT, I can't vote for because it spawned a sequel. And you even said it yourself. I think the exact quote was, I'm sure kids loved it. So I'm going to take that off. The mummy was picked. Robocop. I don't remember. I don't even think I saw it. So that would be. So I'm going to go Hellboy. I'm going to give Rudy two points. Holy shit. So if you want to give him my five (laughs) dollars. So the list we have now of the worst remakes, reboots of all time. Ghostbusters, The Mummy, Nightmare on Elm Street and Hellboy. And here we are at the bonus stage. Now, keep in mind that the Urkel clause is still a thing. And that means that Rudy, who came into this episode with the fewest points, cannot nominate someone from his own list, but he's free to swap any other pick that he wants. Interesting. Interesting. Um, And keep chugging your $3 bottle of wine because, um, yeah, I'm taking Ghostbusters off the list. Bullshit. Yeah. Listen, you guys come at me, you best take me out, all right? Because I've been playing this since the beginning. I knew Ghostbusters was going to make this mountain, and I knew that it didn't matter what I say or what I called you out on, it was going to make the mountain, but I got the last one. So Ghostbusters, get the fuck out of here. And what's it replaced with? (laughs) Yeah. What and awesome! I just want to say, awesome. <laughs> didn't think that one all the way through, did you? Really? I no, I did, but yeah, no, it's, it's called pausing for dramatic effect, guys. Rudy, okay? Rudy, if, Rudy, if I may, if I may, yeah. Before you make your pick, um, how cool was it to watch your son uh, viewing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Which, original? See, this is why that the Academy it, Award-winning Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This yeah. is why Academy Award-winning. Did it win it, eleven it, Academy Awards? I'm just throwing that. How 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 cool was that to see you know the, the excitement in his eyes when 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 those 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 practical effect budget turtles showed up on screen with nothing more than some rubber suits and karate moves? How cool and this was is that? Why, this is why at the end of each episode, I am so thankful and glad to be doing this because I genuinely love you guys, and and you know me. I feel like you know me a little better, and. and you're a hundred percent right. You're you talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tapped into a young Rudy in the movie theater, yelling at the movie screen, watching the original Turtles and how special it was to watch my son do the same thing. I am replacing Ghostbusters with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow! Dare I say it? Cowabunga! Listen, Jesus to how, wasn't better. Listen to how angry Jeremy is just through the <laughs> silence. It's unbelievable. It happened again. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but this is a this is a disappointing mountain. As disappointing as all the films that dot this mountain, this mountain is a disappointment. Do I get points? Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't get points for that. But I do. Okay, get I'm fine points. with it. 
I, I, well, of course. I mean, uh, we'll get to the points in a second, but I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess, what we need to do right now is reconcile the fact that Ghostbusters isn't on the list, and I'm, 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 I'm willing you, to do that. Ridiculous. Would I'm you willing, like throw to mansplain how it didn't end up on the list? I mean, I, I mean, I would. So, it's the same thing, like. This whole mansplaining thing is bullshit. I explained to you why the mummy and the dark universe didn't work out in the same way that I explained. Right. That goes, why the Ghostbusters didn't work. They should have inter- it should have been two genders. It's agenda on the on the team. This is agenda no, driven slop. Spro, your 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 example was the mummy should have been fighting a, a young boy. Yeah, and men and women should have been fighting ghosts. And then nobody would have no, like nobody would have brought their own pre uh, their own conditions to the. I'm sorry, why are we uh, talking about a movie that didn't make the mountain? I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. I really don't care. I, just, I feel bad for Jeremy. Jeremy seems really distraught over there. Virtue Jeremy, signaling. Jeremy, Jeremy, please, can we get your post game thoughts? This is like I feel it's like this is like we're um, we're interviewing Ron Artest after the malice at the palace. Um, tell us, t- tell us, tell us how you feel, Jeremy. This virtue signaling nonsense. That it's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we gotta stand up for the women because the women are the best. And please, oh, oh, please, that's this not the best. That has nothing to do with Ghostbusters. Women being in the movie has nothing to do. That's the argument that everybody falls back on. It's the same thing that happened with the Star Wars sequels. If you don't like the Star Wars sequels, you're a racist. You're a misogynist. No, I don't like bad movies with bad stories. That's all that it is. It doesn't matter who you put in the movie. Just put good people in the movie. It doesn't matter if they're male, female, whatever race they are, gender, creed, orientation. doesn't matter. Give me good stories. That's all that I want. But everybody has to fall back on the identity politics. It's all about... Oh, if you don't like this, you hate women. Please get out of here. Ridiculous. This and is the and that is what easily, brought Ghostbusters down from the mountain. Not, this is easily easily the wokest episode of uh, the Mount Rushmore podcast that we've had so but far. But look at what look at look at what we nominated and look at what we ended up with. Do you really think well, this is a good cross section of the worst remakes of all time? If you would have given a more impassioned speech about RoboCop, RoboCop was the first movie on my honorable mention. It got replaced by the Fantastic Four, well, I and I was like, I was like, man, Robo, yeah, RoboCop sucked. I was feeling it, but you just didn't bring the passion like MC did. <laughs> I like the the history of season one because I remember at the beginning trying to fight for like to get women on the mountain, and Rudy was the one that was taking them down, taking them off. Like Wonder Woman, when we put up the the you know the domestic violence Incredible Hulk on the on the mountain over Wonder Woman, yeah. Mm. So I, I like mean, I like your evolution as a man there, Rudy. I so, like it. So Good let's job. let's let, so, so so the season finale. Um, first, let's go over the point totals. Uh, based on this episode, the season finale point totals. Spro is the season one champion with eighteen points. Uh, myself, second place with sixteen. Jeremy with 14 and Rudy with 13. All respectable point totals. But I think more important is for us to sort of reflect on on the first season. And I'll start by saying, like, I remember the first episode with action hero characters. And we had no idea what the fuck we were doing. No system. Just sort of like, let's debate. And we'll agree on something. And absolutely not. And and. Here we are. We've got a system. It might be an imperfect system, but really what system isn't? And I think above all, the picks that we've made today do what they're designed to do, which is encourage debate and encourage discussion. 
I certainly don't agree with all of them, as I know all of you don't agree with all of them. And as I know, both of our listeners don't agree with all of them. But I think that's a good thing. And I think heading into season two, um, once we decide what our first topic is going to be, I think that that we've navigated this first season in a way that will that will only make it more entertaining and hopefully make it more insightful as we move forward. Jeremy, your thoughts on season one, or are you still too angry? Do you need a minute? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to need maybe several minutes, maybe several weeks. Because first we had Urkel. Now we have this. <laughs> yeah, and then let's not forget Galaxy Quest. This is a, this is a, a concentrated effort to upend my selections, and I will not go quietly in season two. I can tell you that. I'm bringing the heat next time around. I think we've come a long way, though, because I think you're right. The first episode, we were kind of just all talking, and we didn't have the point system in place as much. We didn't have uh, a lot of different things. We didn't have the resurrection or the you know the, the bonus round. So there's, I think we've come a long way, uh, the, but there's still a lot of acrimony here, and I think season two is just going to get really nasty. So I'm bringing, I'm, I'm taking the gloves off. Spro, your thoughts? I, I, yeah, I think everything went well. I mean, I think everybody has that episode where they're like, man, I, I wish that pick didn't make the mountain. You know, like, I feel like there was probably maybe three or four episodes where I was like, that was, I agree with all four of them. And then, you know, the other four were like, uh, I agree with three of them. And then I wish, you know, Urkel didn't make the mountain. The, <laughs> um, no, but it was good. I do have an honest question. Like, was it my argument that made Nightmare on Elm Street on this mountain, or was it the money? I just I want to ask Rudy. Man, you know, I could always use five dollars. No, your argument <laughs> <laughs> had an impassioned argument, and I was like, I can relate to that. Yes. Okay. Oh man, Rudy. Let me just your thoughts. Let me just say, um, <clears throat> listener, I've known MC and Spro for many, many years, uh, decades, if you will. And I have just had the pleasure, and it's a genuine pleasure to meet Jeremy through this experience. And never have I yelled at and cussed at a stranger with such (laughs) vigor as I have with Jeremy and then felt so connected and to an individual that I've never really met in person. And it's all because of this wonderful experiment that we are, uh, together on and i i i cannot wait for season two well that's it um it's sad it's like the uh the season well it is the season finale of a show um normally (laughs) normally what we do is we spin for the next topic to lead us into the next episode but since this is the season finale i think it's best that we let our brains and our hearts Take a break. And once we decide to debut the first episode of season two, we will come with a surprising new topic, a surprising new set of nominations, a surprising, possibly offensive and certainly heated discussion. And hopefully we can keep this going for a while. Does that sound good, fellas? I'm on board. Sounds good. Bring it. (laughs) 
All right. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, Stay tuned at the end of the show to find out how you can follow us on social media, how you can suggest topics, how you can tell us we were wrong, tell us we were right, tell us what you'd like to see more of and what you'd like to hear less of on the Mount Rushmore podcast. For Rudy, Spro, Jeremy, IMMC, saying thank you very much for coming on this journey with us through season one. Hopefully we will see you again for season two.